morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, how are you this morning? I am great. You're great. I had a good weekend. Lawson the great. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Correct. Yep, Lawson. had... Lawson the Great. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, well, that's how I'm feeling. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You can refer to me as Lawson the Great from now on. Like, I won't stop you. Okay. Um, in fact, pre- I would actively encourage you to do so. Is he your preferred adjective? Yes, that's right. <laughs> My preferred prefix is, well, suffix. Lawson, yeah, the Great. Yeah, my, my preferred suffix. Or, you, you know, preferred prefix is the great Lawson. So, either way. I think Lawson the Great has more, you know, you've got, you've got Cyrus the Great. You've got Darius. That's right. Great. You know, it's very royal and kingly. Albert and, the Great. And who's that? King uh, Albert. <laughs> Where was he king of? Come on. <laughs> Learn your history. But, uh, yeah, I'm done. Not Albert. Alfred, sorry. Alfred. Yeah, that's, oh, that's come on, Lyle. Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Albert was the king somewhere. <laughs> surely, surely, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing really good. How was your weekend? Oh, I was blessed. I was up at Coffs Harbour. We've mm, been doing mm. prophetic code up there, and it was just amazing. We had we, the the the, the uh, venue was absolutely packed. Oh, amazing! Uh, couldn't fit probably another single person into it, so it was it was very mm. exciting. Lots of people there to listen to the word of God. Yeah, absolutely. Which is just exactly what we, what we like to see. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Well, okay, I have an incredible prize sitting in front of me that I really want to promote right after I tell you the first clue for the quiz. So, who am I? I, the son of Joash, the Abiezite, uh, saw an angel sit down under an oak tree in Ophrah. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. And if you get it on the first quiz uh, clue, you will get two entries into our weekly draw. So as those who have been following the show the last couple of weeks, uh, or maybe you are new this morning, praise the Lord for you. Uh, but we have been doing a different style of quiz. Well, Kind of similar style of quiz, but different style of getting a prize where, yeah, we start with questions that are harder and they get easier and easier and easier. And there's one prize, uh, sorry, there's one answer throughout the day. And if you get the answer correctly, you will go into the draw to win our weekly prize, which is Bibleopoly, the board game. Okay, sounds good. Bibleopoly, the board game. Which, there you go. Like... For all the potential copyright infringement it's skirting around, I think is a, f- a fantastic <laughs> prize. Uh, you know, it, this looks fun and amazing and awesome, and you can win if you give us a call or text 0491 I'll read this quiz uh, clue again, and if you are the first one to get it correct, because the questions are so difficult uh, in these initial stages, we give you two entries to the quiz. So here we go again. It says, I, the son of Joash, Joash the Abiezite, saw an angel sit down under an oak tree in Ophrah. So how does this Bibleopoly work? I mean, do I get to uh, become a TV evangelist or something? <laughs> Wait, let me read it. In Bible in Bibleopoly, you can't win by destroying your opponents. You will only win by assisting the fellow players and its cooperation uh, that allows you to gain the things necessary to build your church and be a winner. 
Oh, that's cool. So, so, you so you're all working together to build a church. <laughs> to do evangelism. That's right. Yes, I like that. Ah, oh, this is awesome. So, yeah, but... you get to become a Nigerian... Tell the evangelist scammer, take, like take something like that. No, nah, no, nah, not quite. That would be, man, you like go rogue in the g- game and actively try to sabotage people, I guess, you know, or maybe take the wealth for yourself, something like that. Um, well, I've never played the game, but it, I have a picture of the game here that uh, obviously you guys can't see, but I'm looking at it. And it looks like, think of the word Bibleopoly and, and what that implies and what that looks like. And what I'm looking at is something that would look like Bibleopoly, which is, yep. you know, like another game that is very, very famous, but a Bible edition of that. So 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer. And we'll be going through our questions for the quiz throughout the show this morning uh, to give you guys some insight into that. But now let's get into some Positively different news. And I've got some positively different news, Lyle. Okay. Coming out of the Ukraine. Okay. Which that's, is, that's, which that's is, good. Which is rare. Um, but this positively different news is over <laughs> a dog, a Jack Russell that's name is, uh, Patron. Now, Patron means ammo, um, in, you know, in Ukrainian. Okay. Um, and Patron's express job, um, his position in life is that he sniffs packages for bombs and he has just been awarded a medal uh by president Zelensky for finding over 200 bombs in packages and sniffing them out and getting them detected that's amazing how dogs do that yeah it's incredible you know one of the most amazing things about it is how much fun they have doing it because <laughs> you know one of the things they they, they say when you're training a dog mm. to do a particular dog job like bomb detection or something or other uh, it's always a game mm. it's always fun Mm-hmm. and they're always being rewarded for it, and they do it because they're having fun. Mm-hmm. They kind of really probably don't know the uh, gravity of the yeah. circumstances, but they're having fun because it's like, oh, we're going to go and sniff out bombs today. We're going to go and sniff out, you know, these kinds of scents or uh-huh. those kinds of scents. Uh-huh. And, uh, of course, you know, bomb dogs, when they find a bomb, they go still. Mm. You know, drug dogs, when they find drugs, they'll go nuts. Like, oh, the drugs are right here. Here they are. Here they are. You know, mm-hmm. dig them out of this particular hiding spot. Mm. Whereas bomb dogs just, you know, the moment they smell, that they're trained to just go completely still. That's awesome. Yes. So that they don't, like, set it off so or set bomb off. something like that. Well, uh, Patron, the Jack Russell, is, as you could imagine, a tiny Jack Russell terrier that just, you know, is very small and gets around and has fun sniffing bombs, but is literally the best in the business at weeding them out. Um, and its handler, uh, Mikhailo Ilyev. Now, Mikhailo, he works in this area. Like, he is, you know, working for the police and, and working in, you know, uh, Customs and now as, uh, the situation in Ukraine has unfolded, you know, how they're just heavily into bomb detection. Um, this dog was originally just, you know, he has a two year old son and I was like, I just want to get a cute dog for my kids. And then, you know, bring the, brings the dog to work, sees its potential and being able to sniff bombs. And yeah, now it's just. Best bomb sniffer out there. That's right. And you know what's amazing is that during the Second World War, they used to use, on occasions, they'd use dogs as early mm. warning uh, for for, um, for for detecting aircraft. Oh, because they could, like, hear them? And they could hear the difference between Allied or Axis aircraft long before the human ear could pick it up. Wow. And they would, you know, when you, if you, when you in an area where there was no radar available, which was, you know, most of the Second World War, yeah. uh, these dogs could, um, could pick it up and they'd be like, yep, there's, um, there's, there's Axis aircraft coming, you all need to take cover and get out of the way, and they'd set the air raid sirens off and they would never fail. 
Or it could tell if it was ally and it would just like chill out. Yeah, yeah, just completely ignore it. You just be like, oh, okay, but if yep. it was oh, that is incredible. It is, how does that it? even happen? How do you how do you train it to do that? That's incredible. I mean, it, I guess it would start by you know they'd hear a certain kind of aircraft uh-huh. that would bring bombs, mm-hmm. and they didn't like bombs, so they start uh, to and so then they start training, strap training them from there to be able to uh, differentiate between the different kinds of aircraft. Yeah, because like uh, an ally aircraft wouldn't be bombing its own people. Tell the difference between the sound of a uh, BMW and a Rolls-Royce Merlin. That's insane. <laughs> That's <laughs> not bad, though. It's not bad. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, oh, in other news here, uh, students in a college in Texas uh, came to their graduation ceremony last week. They sit down, they've got their gown, they've got their cape. I was very recently at a graduation here in Australia at the University of Newcastle. And, you know, I saw the scenes there. Same kind of deal. They sit down, um, and then the president and CEO of Wiley College, which they are attending, uh, attending Dr. Herman J. Felton, he gets up and announces that an anonymous donor has completely wiped the entire class's student debt. Wow. And so, you know, uh, which is, which is a lot. That is, that is. That <laughs> for, is. For, I'm just looking at the photos now. It's like a, a full college class. Um, well, like, you know, when colleges have graduations, it's like, you know, multiple classes and groups of people all, um, graduating together and their fees equaled estimately around $400,000 in total, which isn't heaps. So I think maybe this, like, this class is, paying it off as they go through, as many college students do. Not every single college student gets into debt. Uh, but any existing debts they had was completely uh, wiped. And, they, you know, the, uh, the, the president of the college, this guy, Herman J. Felton, he just gets up, announces it. They all go crazy. And he's just like, you know, gives them their, their kind of ending speech and says, go live your best life. And I was like, wow. I really want someone to do that for me. If anyone wants to pay off my hex debt, is it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, you know, we're in such a lucky situation here in Australia when it comes to, especially like as an Australian citizen, um, when it comes to my university debt, not having to think about that until I earn enough money to pay it off, you know, through tax or whatever it may be. And for my degree specifically, like I don't get hex, which is I don't get any government subsidization, um, subsidization, but I still get, um, you know, I still have the opportunity to like pay it off later, so I'm I'm chilling, bro. I don't I don't even think it's necessary in Australia. Like, well, I wouldn't say that's totally correct because then I have lots of friends who aren't Australian citizens who have absolutely gone through the wars. You know, during their study to work at the same time to pay off their degree. You know, pay for their semesters, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I'm in a super blessed position, and so are these people. Um, yeah, someone has stepped in for them and and paid off a debt that was that was massive and. Uh, for a lot of college students, uh, a lot of university students, they they never pay off their student debt in their entire life. So yeah, fantastic story. I was I was really stoked to to see this happen. Um, and finally, uh, <laughs> um, bit of a bit of a I told you so moment. Well, the bubble of everything is currently popping. Every you know every stock yes. is, every stock is down. Um, but the one thing that is down is the entirety of cryptocurrency. Many coins have crashed, <laughs> and Bitcoin has gone from seventy thousand dollars to twenty seven thousand dollars in one be day. So I, you know, I told you so. All I can say, <laughs> I told you so. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
We're about to have the second clue for our quiz. All right, second clue for the quiz this morning. It says here, I was also called Gerard Bale, which means let Bale contend with him. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you have the answer to the quiz. And you can win our weekly prize, which is Bibliopoly. Uh, the board game. And so if you give us a text at 0491 with the correct answer and you say, and you text us, may I enter the quiz? We will put you in. We will put you in the draw and uh, you will be drawn at the end of the week. But again, that number is 0491 And that question was, I was also called Jerabal, which means let Baal contend with him. Okay, so heading over to the United States, the university has been forced to pay $400,000 to a professor who declined to address a male student with female pronouns. Uh, so the free speech what, issue is kind of heating up over who's, there. Who's paying $400,000? The, the university. The university. To the professor. To the professor. Who refused to use preferred pronouns. Wait, 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 okay, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. So, the professor didn't use the preferred pronouns of a student. That's right. And then, did they get fired? They got fired and ah, they got and then, okay, and all of taken, that kind of stuff. and then yep. they've taken the, the university to court, uh-huh. and they've won. Yes. And they've come out on top, yes. big time. They've come out yeah, in so the so black. There's a bit, a bit of background to this. This is the Shawnee State University, where officials have agreed to this settlement of 400000 Um, and the professor uh, refused to use preferred pronouns and opted to use the person's name instead Mm -hmm. because they felt that that was something that did not clash with their ideology. This was a a philosophy professor, Mm -hmm. and so if you're a philosophy professor and you are espousing a particular philosophy, then it becomes very incongruent if you are practising something very different from what you are preaching in the classroom. Mm. And so... Uh, the, 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 the university derided him and equated his good faith convictions with racism, uh, etc. So this was Dr. Nicholas Merriweather. Uh, he was refused, uh, he refused to be forced to endorse an ideology that has no scientific background. Um, and still is defined by, you know, DSM-5 and so forth as being a mental illness. And so the student filed a Title X complaint, uh, because the professor was using his name or her name, or whatever, whichever way you want to go with that, their name, other than pronouns. Mm. So it's kind of a pretty weird thing when somebody using your name is so offensive that you have to file a Title uh, Title Nine complaint. Uh-huh. Uh, then, of course, the university filed a formal charge against Mer- Merriweather, stating that he had created a hostile environment because he used the students' names only. So he's just like, oh, I'll just call everybody by their name. That's problem solved, and I don't have to be inconsistent with what I'm actually mm. teaching in the classroom And as, as far as free speech and so forth goes. And so um, apparently it's hostile for me to use your name, Lawson. Yeah, please just call me the great. Or, or as Freco says, uh, awesome Lawson. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's another classic as well. Um, my my parents and family they call me Lawso. My sisters call me Lawsy. That's like that's like the joke because like I have three sisters and I'm like the only brother and they it's like oh Lawsy that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, just call me the Great from now on. Okay. Right. That that that's we'll, yeah we'll that that's my preferred yes. title. Thank you. All right. All right. 
Okay, so um, they file, uh, filed suit sorting un- unlawful retaliation and viewpoint mm. discrimination in violation, or he did, of his constitutional rights. Uh, in February 2020, a district judge dismissed it, said that he'd failed to provide sufficient proof that he was entitled to any kind of legal relief. And then the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals reversed the dismissal uh, and remanded the case for further proceedings, which got the university very, very worried. And so they decided to settle um, and came up with a $400,000 settlement. Wow. Uh, the judge stating if professors lacked free speech protections when teaching, a university would wield alarming power to compel ideological conformity. Mm. A university president could require a pacifist to declare that war is just. Mm. A civil rights icon to condemn the Freedom Riders. A believer to deny the existence of God or a Soviet emigre to address his students as comrades. Mm. This this cannot be. And it absolutely cannot be. So, yeah, interesting to see what is taking place in the United States where they have protections for free speech, unlike what we have here in Australia. That's a a banger speech too. Yeah, I thought so. I was like, that's that's incredible. Because it, it, it explains why... Free speech is important, and why it's important for you know the professor to be able to uh, to, to to teach in a in a free way. Mm. Anyway, so this is Barna research. We're going to move on to some Barna research coming out of the states. This one is very serious. They found mm. that only thirty seven percent of pastors hold a biblical worldview. Uh, 37%, just 37%. What's their standard of biblical? Okay, so there was 54 questions that were asked over seven different categories. Mm -hmm. And those categories were uh, purpose and calling, uh, the value of life, God creation and history, uh, spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, God creation history would be things like, you know, uh, is the Bible a historically accurate book? Sure. Um, Spiritual disciplines would be things like, is it important to have, you know, daily devotions and so Mm -hmm. forth? Uh, sin and salvation, um, human nature, in other words, you know, the, the, the corruption of human nature, mm. uh, truth and morality. So those were the, so those were the, the, the standards by which, mm-hmm. those were the, the categories in which the 54 different questions were categorized. And the results came back that amongst senior pastors, 41% of senior pastors had a biblical worldview. 28% of associate pastors had a biblical worldview. 13% of teaching pastors, so this is like your Sunday school and so forth, um, had a biblical worldview, and 12% of youth pastors had a biblical wow. worldview. I want to do this test. This is pretty terrifying. I Yeah, that is that is crazy. And, and, and the scary thing about it is that your, your worldview is formed by the age of 13, and then mm-hmm. that worldview that has been formed is refined, you know, through into your late twenties. So you refine, you continually refining that worldview through into your late twenties. And so the youth pastors and the pastors that are teaching our children and our teens are by far the most important. Mm. And they are the ones who have the least biblical worldview. Just twelve percent of them have a biblical worldview. Mm. Do they have any data as to like which particular areas people were? Kind of, yeah, going against the Bible. Okay, so 40% of Generation Z <clears throat> believe that Jesus was a human and sinned like other humans. Uh, uh, this is amongst pastors, right? 37% of Gen X said the same, 30% of millennia, 35% of millennials and boomers. 
so so this is among this group of pastors. Yes. I this isn't a general like a a like broad. So, so that, this is pastors who said that Jesus is a sinner. That is eighty five percent of pastors, <laughs> but only eighty five percent of pastors believe that missions is a mandate for all Christians. Yeah, that, I, that, that was actually a statistic I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, that was one that was a little bit more interesting. But mm. uh, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty scary stuff. That is. It was interesting scary. because when I was uh, studying wow. theology, we were told that the majority of theologians were atheists, mm. and the research is just actually bringing that out right here. Mm. In, you know, because if you don't have a biblical worldview, then you know you're obviously somebody who doesn't believe the Bible. If you don't believe the Bible, then really. Can you call yourself a theist? Mm. Yeah, exactly, because like as soon as you like, there's there's kind of like disagreements on doctrine, right? You know, a different perspective. Yes. But but then if there's like clear pillars, but that, somebody who's disagreeing on doctrine is disagreeing about your interpretation of scripture. That's right, which is predicated on both of you believing scripture. That's right. Whereas someone like disbelieving actually what Chris, like what scripture says, yes, then wow, that's scary. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, uh, other research that I've, I saw several years ago on just, say, for instance, the issue of creation showed that, uh, you know, I, I guess the, the positive thing is that as Adventists we had the uh, the highest belief in creation at 80%. Mm. The sad thing is that there's 20% that don't, but mm. our next nearest competitor were Baptists at about 30%. Wow. Wow. And that's, that's amongst membership. And, of course, when the pastors don't believe in that kind of stuff, what do you ex- where, where do you expect right. the membership mm. to go? You know they're going to be completely undermined by their pastors and you know and 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 by people that are leading out in the church. Anyway, those are some serious research statistics from around the world. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. This is the Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. Let's have another clue for our quiz before we go to interview of the day with Etienne McClintock. All right, uh, the next clue for the quiz. The angel of the Lord told me to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of Midian. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer to that one. And if you do, you can say, may I enter the quiz as you text in the answer, and you will go into the draw to win Bibliopoly, the board game. Uh, But again, that question was, the angel of the Lord told me to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of Midian. 0491. One zero six four six six nine. Well, joining us on the phone this morning from Voice of the Martyrs is Etienne McClintock. Etienne, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lyle. Thank you, Lawson, and good morning to your listener. Lovely to be with you again. Etienne, what is happening around the world at the moment? We get a monthly update from Voice of the Martyrs. What's the latest news that we need to be taking notice of? Yeah, well, look, a few people must be listening to you. I was actually at Logan Reserve uh, Adventist Church on the on the weekend and spoke there, and uh, we had 63 sign-ups uh, to our monthly magazine, free magazine, and uh, a lady came up and said, oh, yeah, I recognize your voice when you started speaking because you're on the show monthly. I listen to your updates. So I so said, well done. You have people all over the place <laughs> listening to your program. Uh, praise God. Well, yeah, so there's a lot happening. Look, there's a simple story just out of Mexico, for example. Um, that was posted uh, the 11th of May, so was that about five days ago. Just a local pastor who was driven from his village. He lives in the southern part of Mexico. Now, typically, Mexico is quite Christian. There's a high concentration of um, Catholic people there and some Protestant. 
But in the southern parts, uh, there's a lot of indigenous minorities. They still maintain their own separate identities and even some of their own separate religions. And uh, Christians only make up about 3% of the population in that part. And uh, they often, these are the Christians who are forced from their homes and villages. It can mean that they lose their job, their inheritance, their land. Uh, even sometimes if the whole family is converted, you know, the children may not uh, get access to education. But this pastor, uh, Perez, Philadelphia Perez, had been uh, driven from the village because of his witness for Christ. And as I've said in the past, you know, uh, persecution's uh, end game, the, the whole purpose is really just to shut down our witness for Christ. So in most cases around the world, if people just kept their Christian worldview and opinion to themselves and didn't evangelize as Jesus instructed us, then they won't get persecuted. But as soon as you witness for Christ and the truth, you know, Jesus even said, you know, this is the condemnation that's coming to the world, that men uh, love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. But when light comes into the world, it actually exposes their deeds. It shows them their sin and the need of a savior. And of course, our fallen humanity doesn't like uh, being identified as that there's a problem that we need to fix and that is wrong. But uh, since he's converted, he's been persecuted in his community for quite a while. And uh, he's been charged with heavy fines at times, even arrested, failing to participate in the pagan festivals. Uh, one occasion, actually, they, they drove him out and they denied him food and water for three days. And so uh, what happened is things just got really bad. So he had actually fled to another village renting a small room, but he still goes back and he just still, you know, tries to maintain a relationship with the people there and share the gospel. So very encouraged by that story. At least it's not as brutal as some of the other stories we've had. Uh, there was one, and this happened on Thursday African time, so it would have been overnight Thursday, Friday, our time, of a, uh, a young lady just in Nigeria, and she's been attending a school there for a while. And then what happened is she's part of the school group's um, WhatsApp program, and uh, she had sent some messages, and they, in, well, she was trying to be witness for Christ, but they supposed that her text in the WhatsApp group was blasphemous. So between her and a friend, uh, uh, an argument, uh, um, you know, ensued. They uh, they both uh, sort of spilled outside, and um, the classmates interpreted the same thing as blasphemous. And then there's a video that actually that was posted, it went viral, where Deborah Emanuel, 25-year-old student there at uh, at Chenghu Shagari College, um, where she's actually there trying to protect her face. You know, she was beaten and kicked, and they took stones, actually stoned her while they were crying, Alu Akbar. And you can see there she's trying with a bloody left arm, trying to cover her head as males and female students gathered around and you know, beating her. And she pleaded with them not to kill her, but they actually killed her and then set her alight. Mm. And so she lost her life. So that's very brutal. That's not uncommon either, unfortunately. That happens quite often. And as I've mentioned before, I mean, for 16 consecutive years now, persecution has been increasing in the many countries around the world. And even in Western countries, you guys were just sharing before that how a person got prosecuted because he didn't use the right pronoun with a, with a person. So we see two things. We see civil freedoms being diminished, and we also see religious freedoms being diminished in the countries that used to be totally free. And uh, while we all have rights, you know, you don't have the right not to be offended. That's never been a, a constitutional right. No, Freedom no. of speech guarantees that we can actually say what we believe and think, you know, and uh, if people are offended by it, well, that's just the, the consequence of a free society. Yes, yeah, so, and when I extend against violence, <laughs> sorry, go ahead, Lars. Yeah, well, I say when, when I extend freedom of speech to somebody else, I'm extending to them the freedom to say things that I will find truly offensive. That's right, and we'll defend their right to it as well. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. 
Mm. So you were talking also about the Christian worldview. You know, one of the things that uh, we've discovered is although our numbers are diminishing significantly here in Australia, we're waiting for the data from the last year's census to come out or come out this year and next year. But um, we saw an 8% decline in Christian uh, in Christianity in Australia from the 2011 to 2016 census, so the previous census. And most of those went, actually went into atheism. So they grew from about 22% to about 30%. Um, but amongst those 52% of people who identified in 2016 as Christian, not many of them go to church. And we find that the core representative group that go and attend church regularly and read the Bible have not diminished so much. But the, the nominal Christians, you know, in 2011, there were 60, 60% of them. Matter of fact, they go back 100 years, like the 1921 census, we were at 97% people saying they were Christians. So the country's changed a lot. Mm. But you mentioned biblical worldview. Now, I've also got some data here from the George Barner uh, Research Group, and this was in the Christian Post in May last year, the 26th of May they posted this, and found that 51% of adults say that they had a biblical worldview in America. But their numbers were actually even, I think they might even be worse than yours, only 6% of Americans actually had a, a worldview, a Christian worldview. And then amongst yeah, so you're, the, the you're millennials. Res- both of these were Barna research, but one was uh, amongst pastors and the other amongst um, members. The total population. Yeah, total population. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, of that uh, 51% who said that a Christian worldview, I think 49% believed in reincarnation was possible. <laughs> so that's definitely not, not Christian. And then if I look at millennials, right, the interesting that millennials identified as Christian, 61% of them, and that may be because of some of their leaders, but when they actually uh, did the research, only two of them actually held a, a biblical worldview. So we have some challenges within the church. I mean, we're concerned of what's happening outside of the church, but we've got some some things to perhaps fix with, with in the church. I suspect, the I suspect we- that in the, that in places where Christians are paying for their beliefs with their lives, that there would be a much higher level of biblical worldview than in places where it costs nothing to be a Christian. You know, yes, it's, and it's a mixed bag, Lyle. Uh, we, we find that uh, those uh, Christians who, who come to the Lord quite often come with very limited information. The Holy Spirit really works and empowers them in a mighty way where they don't have access to the Word of God. Sometimes it's a hymn. Sometimes it's one sermon. And so they crave the Word of God. And when they can get their hands on it, they eat, sleep, and breathe the Word of God when it's safe to do so. But it informs their experience because quite often what they read in the Bible, in the Psalms, you know, that is their experience. And they can claim the promise in there and they find comfort and they can pray those promises. So the first thing they ask for is prayer. The second thing they ask for is Bibles. But what we see there often in many places that we work is that there's low, there's low knowledge but high obedience. Typically what we find in the West is there's a higher knowledge but a lower obedience. And, of course, this data is now showing that yeah, some of that knowledge is actually based on what other people have said or hearsay or own thinking, and it's colored by the Bible instead of being totally influenced by the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I always share with people, you know, we are simply students of truth. We're not the authors for truth. God is the only author of truth. So as students of truth, then we become witnesses for it, but we never author it. Yeah, absolutely. And quite often people think they're authored and, and just human nature being what it is, you know, we're all right in our own eyes. And if we think we're wrong, it's only ever been in the past, never in the present. Mm. And so uh, with those challenges, we are encouraging people to sign up to a newsletter because they, they, they inspire us hearing these stories and testimonies of people now who do things in dangerous situations and they are witnesses. And just the fact that they're taking risks, that in itself is a great witness. And we see the ideal environment for Christianity to grow and flourish is actually under a persecution environment. Now, you can go to extreme where you have places like, you know, North Korea, 
where it's so extreme. You may live in a house and you may never know who the if there's Christians living to your left or your right because everybody keeps it so close. Otherwise, they will be imprisoned. And they are found out because we know there's between thirty and 70,000 Christians in forced labor camps where they actually work themselves to death. They don't get enough food to actually sustain them. And especially the elderly, they just die of exhaustion. You know, some of them die very quickly. Some of them take a little bit longer if they're a little bit more fit and, and young. And some of them are just simply executed. So it's very difficult. And we obviously smuggle Bibles in there. And at the moment, one of our big projects, if we go onto our website, vom.com.au, we actually have a, a challenge for 150,000 Bibles. And so far, I think we've only raised about enough money for 5% of the Bibles, but that's our challenge for the year. And we have a particular focus on it this month to try and get the Bibles out there to people to break um, Bible poverty amongst Christians and around the world. And of course, for um, for evangelists also to go and share the Bible and uh, have Bibles to smuggle in where, they, where we can't print them locally within the, in the country. So it's a, it's a big ask, but some encouraged by their devotion to God, you know, just based on the little they know and just wanting to know more. Um, for them, the Word of God is actually spirit and life. And uh, for us, you know, where we have an abundance of Bibles, I've got Counter the other, they put more than twenty Bibles in my house. Do we really, do we really treasure it like they treasure it? You know. Mm, mm. How do you get? How do you go about getting Bibles into a country like North Korea? Ah, okay. Well, there's a number of ways to do it. In the past, we've been able to actually use some ingenious ways of of getting Bibles in there. We used to be able to use weather balloons, but that's been outlawed by the uh, South Korean government now. Um, they tried a number of things, changing the gas, so we had to go to helium, which was five times more expensive. But we got so good, we could actually drop Bibles within a kilometer of target. We'd GPS track it. We'd get weather reports. We worked with an organization, a company, Christian company in Melbourne, and uh, they would get us the uh, the weather reports, you know, the wind directions at different levels like a, a pilot would look at. And then the the, he, the balloon would be full up with helium, so it will go to the same the the, the, the right height. Mm-hmm. And then when the Bibles are dropped, it's dropped very well. And you know when people find these blue books and people are aware of it now, they will grab the books. Unfortunately, the government got onto that as well, so they would actually cordon off the area with military and police, and then they'll search everybody coming out of that area. And if they are caught with the Bible, well, they're they're imprisoned or they can even be executed. Mm. But what we're finding is on top of that now that. Um, the the police and even the military are stuffing little blue little Bible, the Gospel of Mark or whatever it may be, or the plastic sheets that the whole Gospel is written on, because they're very light, into their pockets and they're reading it and coming to the Lord. So, um, yeah, very exciting to see that. And for the people who've defected or have fled persecution uh, in North Korea and now coming to South Korea, we're finding that now 14% of them have actually seen these little blue Bibles. Oh, wow, so that's, uh, that's one of the ways. One of the ways we've done it. There's other ways of smuggling it in, and of course, sometimes it's not the printed word, although people want that. It's sometimes just a little mini SD card that goes into a uh, into a smartphone, and they can read it on there. Which, of course, is all, all of it's highly illegal and punishable by death or um, hard labour. I would imagine that the Bible would be relatively available to somebody in North Korea that has an internet connection. Would that be a fair thing to say, or is that completely yeah, they- locked down? It's, it's, it's locked down, it's blocked. So if they're smart enough, they can maybe get onto a VPN and they can access it, but quite often those VPNs are discovered and, and shut down. It's no different actually in China. China, it's not quite as dangerous, of course. Um, but China there, for Christians in the underground church, all their gatherings are legal and they're not entitled to, they're not allowed to have the Bible. A matter of fact, if you're under the age of 18, it's illegal to get any religious instruction from your parents or even in the schools. So China systematically has been clamping down on that controlling any religious content on the internet. Matter of fact, you need a, a license now 
to actually uh, be allowed to to send, put any uh, religious content on the internet or even advertise the pro- a program. But we know that people um, take download the VPN programs and then they can access data, but there's no other way to do it. Um, and then, of course, they find the VPN, they shut that down, you've got to go and find another one. So they become quite clever at, at accessing it. But when I was there last, um, I couldn't access any, any of our websites, any of our Christian websites, any of our Christian radio websites. That was all shut down through the uh, the VPN, well, sorry, not the VPN, the, uh, the Wi-Fi in the hotel where I was staying. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, it's amazing the uh, the ingenuity that people come up with to be able to create workarounds and then the ingenuity that others... Uh, come up with to be able to try and stop it from happening. But, you know, I, yeah. I think we do have to thank God for the digital age when it comes to the spread of the gospel because we are able to spread it to places where it was so much harder before. Absolutely. And we typically work through that 1040 window where, you know, they're saying there's only about 10% of people that actually have a full understanding of who Jesus is, but there's only uh, there's only 30% that have actually been reached with the gospel. So there's 70%, so 3.5 billion people have never heard about Christ, don't understand anything about the Christian worldview or what the Bible teaches. So uh, the work is still great, and of course getting the Word of God out there, which helps inform the, them about the truth and, and the real right worldview is, is so important. Etienne, very quickly as you're finishing off, uh, how do we get in contact with Voice of the Martyrs? Well, the best way, I mean, you can call us if you want to, but the best way is just to go onto our website, vom.com.au. There's a lot of good content there, and you'll see about our Bibles Challenge. The other one also, just very quickly, we're trying to save uh, 260 Afghanis. The group was much bigger. Some of them have disappeared. We don't know if they're alive or dead, and there's four that we know have been executed, quartered by the Taliban. Taliban are chasing them at the moment, so they're going from safe house to safe house, and we're trying to rescue these people because they're as good as dead when the Taliban get their hands on them. And that's another project we're working on, but vom.com.au. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.